Good afternoon and Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in to Hot Dish Radio on Co-op, Austin's Community Radio. I'm your host, Miriam Parker. Before we get started today, I wanted to note that since March, we have been pre-recording our shows from the comfort of our homes. But man, do I miss being in the station and interviewing people face-to-face. Hopefully, we'll get to do that soon. To start the show today, I thought A Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin was a fitting tribute for this whiskey rock star that we have on the show, Heather Green of Milam and Green Whiskey. She's not only the CEO of the company, but she's also their master blender, and her list of accomplishments in the whiskey world are a mile long. I've been wanting to have her on the show for quite some time, and soon you'll see why. So today is a real treat for me. Heather, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about whiskey. (laughs) I bet you are. (laughs) So for folks who are just tuning in... Can you share a little Mm -hmm. bit about your path in the whiskey world and how you came to be the CEO and the master blender of Milam and Green Whiskey? I'm almost a 20-year history in whiskey now. So the abridged version is living in Scotland, and I like to say that Scotland is the godfather of whiskey. Been around for a long time, so I worked there. I was on the tasting panel of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, and from there worked with some great Scottish distilleries here in America. And then left there and worked at the Flatiron Room in Manhattan and opened the whiskey school there with Tommy Tardy, who is a great friend and still the owner of this amazing whiskey club in Manhattan. After that, I wrote a book, Whiskey Distilled, which was a New York Times shortlisted book that came out all the time in 2014 and then a second edition in 2015. Once the book came out, boy, did things really catapult from there and ended up around the world consulting and tasting and judging and writing for a lot of different publications on whiskey. And here in Texas, outside of Austin, and between uh, Blanco and San Antonio, I met these amazing people at Provision Spirits. At the time, they were making a whiskey called Ben Milam, which you can still find in Texas, actually was just lured by the talent, the team, the whiskey, the idea, and decided to join them. They were actually at first one of my consulting clients, 
And then I just fall in love with Marlene Holmes, who's our master distiller, Jordan Osborne, who is our chief brewer, and of course, the founder, Marsha Milam. So we merged and became Milam and Green. Before we get into that, talk about the Mm -hmm. fact that you were the first woman to serve on the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society tasting panel. What was that like for you? This was right before people really cared at all about whiskey. I was working at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, which is a beautiful, lush, old club in Edinburgh, Scotland, for people who are Scotch malt whiskey fans. And they had this unbelievable collection of vintage bottles of whiskey. And members would go in and they would say, you know, I'll have number 44. And each one of these bottles numbers was a code that actually referenced the distillery that it came from. So part of the deal for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, when they bottled these whiskeys from various distilleries around Scotland, probably about 110 of them, they would code it and say number 23 equate to McCallum and number 42 was Glenfiddich. The deal was that they could have these old casts from the distillery and bottle them as long as they didn't say what distillery it came from. There's a long tradition of that in Scotland. They're called independent bottlers. They're people who collect beautiful casks, and then they taste them and decide whether or not they are good enough for international distribution or bottling. It does require skill. You go through lots of casks, and you taste, and you note them. You write tasting notes, and that's what I did at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. And we'd sit around, and we'd decide what was good and what isn't. Now, at the time, that was just my job. I had to pass test to sit on it. I took a nosing and tasting exam, and that's where I first realized that I had a talent for this. I was with Dr. Rachel Berry, who was at the time part of the whiskey creation team at uh, Glenmore and G. Passed the test and sat in the panel, but I didn't really think it was a big deal at the time. It was just kind of my job. What a cool, cool, cool job to have, for sure. Literally like a bartender as well, which I loved. I spent many years bartending. You probably met some really interesting people, too. I did, at the t- but at the time, you know, these were just whiskey fans, like really cool, nice, salt-to-the-earth guys that would come in and ask for whiskey. Let's head back to Texas, and let's talk about Milo and Green. You mentioned mm-hmm. that there was something about the group that really drew you to it. Considering your career, I mean, you really could work anywhere. It was such a cocky attitude, and what I really meant behind that was, yes, I had many offers to work. And you picked this one. So what is it about the the partnership that you guys share together that really made you say, yes, I want to come to Texas and I want to make this amazing whiskey? What a lot of people forget is that there's terroir, the concept of terroir, which we think of as the humidity and the temperature in the land, how the wind whips up against a warehouse, things like that. But there's also a social terroir. Whiskey is not just purely made by nature or the grain. It's made by the people that come together and the bigger influences in the environment that are political, that are the people, that are the ability to be creative and a place where entrepreneurship is fostered. These things come together to create a great whiskey as much as the environmental aspects such as terroir or even just the grain. I've always really been a proponent of recognizing that in whiskey because whiskey does require manual interaction with stills and manipulation of the mash tun and the fermentation tank. Whoever's operating these things has a background. They have a story they're bringing to that whiskey making table. And I loved the people. 
Marsha Mom is extremely creative. She created this wonderful, incredible visual that the bottle is and really went and sourced some of the best whiskeys in the country to collect and sit in warehouses. Now, this is very similar, remember, to what was going on in Scotland at the Scotch Mall Whiskey Society. So I was very attracted to this sourcing, this independent bottling, if you will. Uh, we call it sourcing here. For a while, I think people started thinking that was a bad thing. It isn't. I've written about it many times. I worked for 20 years with distilleries who are good at finding whiskeys. And then you had Marlene Holmes and Jordan Osborne. Marlene was with Jim Beam for 27 years. I mean, this is incredible. This is a woman who has been there since Urban started making its big resurgence again and making some of the most amazing, most collectible whiskeys you see on the shelves today. She cannot make a bad whiskey. So that was really exciting to me. So now you have this very creative founder and entrepreneur, and you have a really fabulous master distiller, and then you have a masher and a brewer you know a little bit about whiskey making, you know that whiskey is a distilled beer. He was a beer maker, and a lot of flavor development happens during that beer making process so that you can have something really beautiful that goes into the still in the first place. For me, it just felt right. Sometimes something just feels like it's the right thing to do, and it did. I just like to highlight the fact that three out of the four partners are women. I just think that that's awesome, and that's truly cool. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of uh, the different expressions, mm -hmm. let's take a quick break. And then we'll be right back. Used to spend my nights out in ballroom. From reaching for the bottom and brought me back, be it too far gone. Your smooth Tennessee whiskey. Radio on Co-op 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Marian Parker, and I'm chatting to the lovely Heather Green, CEO and Master Blender, Island and Green Whiskey here in Texas. You were just listening to Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton. He has about three songs referencing whiskey in the title, and this is probably my favorite one. Heather, what's your hot take on the fact that there are so many sad songs about whiskey? Because in my experience, whiskey is something shared during good times. I think in general, you hear whiskey and a lot of country music in particular. And the history of that is a lot of country music does have that narrative of like a tough time or losing a lover or 
just rugged living. Take that to a different genre of music. Think about Kesha. She sang about a bottle of Jack. I mean, that wasn't really a very depressing song. She was brushing her teeth with it. Whiskey seems to play heavily in, in country music for sure. Let's talk about the whiskeys that y'all have at My Lemon Green. There's four different expressions. We have a couple of things going on. Our major big celebration accomplishment in such a tremendously challenging and insane year for anybody. We launched Smile and Green literally right before the, the pandemic. We pushed through. We worked nonstop to survive. And our three flagship brands that are available nationally now, which we're really excited about, are Triple Cast Bourbon, our Port Finished Rye, and our Single Barrel Program. Those are the three nationally. And then here in Texas, we also have our distillery edition, 100% green to glass that you can order online and get at the distillery. And I also have at the distillery a few really secret special picks that if you go to the distillery and ask for Brenda and say you want Heather's pick, she'll find something for you. Well, that's great. So let's talk about those three different mm-hmm. ones and why they're important. I think I've had the single barrel maybe and then the rye, and I, I love them both. Talk a little bit about the three of them and why they're Mm -hmm. so special. All of these whiskeys are different methods of producing the whiskey. So let's go back to when I was talking about working at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society in Edinburgh, referencing back to there where there was independent bottling. This is really the history of whiskey making, right? So you go and and many people would find beautiful whiskeys to, to barrel and sell. I love that thing. And that's when I first came to Texas, what Marsha and the team were doing. And it was Ben Milan Single Barrel. It's now Ben Milan Single Barrel in Texas. Nationally, it's Milan and Green. So we'll all eventually put it under one name umbrella this year. Milan and Green Single Barrel or Ben Milan Single Barrel if you're in Texas is literally a single barrel of whiskey bottles yields about 280 per barrel. That is in the tradition of going out and finding and sourcing beautiful barrels and then bringing them back into Texas, bottling them up for distribution. So very similar to how the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society operated or Caden Hens or Gordon McPhail. A lot of people don't realize I see it online all the time. I see it on all the Reddits and the Facebooks, like, is it a sourced whiskey? Yes, we are. That particular variant is not all of our variants, but that variant is what they call a sourced whiskey, and we're proud of it. And we will always have specialty sourced whiskeys. As long as I'm working in this company, we will always find something beautiful for that range. Sometimes it might be our own, but we will always also be open to finding other sourced whiskeys. We also have the triple cast bourbon. So the triple cast bourbon is something very unusual. Now, this got a 93-point award of excellence from wine enthusiasts. We're really excited about this. This is a hybrid of three different casts that come together, plus the distillate that is made off of our 300-gallon pot still in Blanco. Three different casts, a four-year-old, 10-plus-year-old, and then the two-year-old that we distilled right in Blanco. And that gives it this really beautiful pop and spice, this peppery note that I just love. It's a beautiful whiskey, and what is most fun for me about that one was the just getting in and digging in and blending and, and getting the right cast recipe to make that. Just to be able to kind of figure out what was the right ratio is probably a really fun project. So much fun. All of us love testing barrels. We test barrels that samples that come in from all over the country, different ages, different char levels, different barrels, different states. We do have a Milam and Green lab that we've trademarked and will be hopefully 
expanding that. We couldn't do that this year for obvious reasons, but a lab where people could visit and see how all of these beautiful components come together. And as a group, because I believe in tasting by a group and a panel, not one singular palette, we developed that product. Was there to sort of coach the whole group. There was about nine of us, what we were looking for, and we just did different ratios, different barrels, different types, all that kind of stuff. And I believe this triple cast will evolve over time to become even richer and deeper. And that is something that really excites me. Like when you look at Japanese whiskey, which is extremely popular, the philosophy behind that is that it should always change slightly for the better year after year. And I feel like that about our triple cast. As those components age, as they deepen, that whiskey will also evolve. The port finished rye. Tell me a little bit about Mm -hmm. that one. This is a really great example of how you take a whiskey produced in another state and bring it into Texas and use the people and the terroir, the physical terroir, to create something entirely new that has never, ever been done before. This particular whiskey can only be an expression out of that warehouse in Blanco. This is rye whiskey that we bring in. We age them in port barrels from Portugal. We vat those together in vatting tanks over time to get that really beautiful consistency, and then we bottle it. The sun, the humidity, the temperature variances are really wrecking havoc, or maybe not wrecking havoc, but doing something really amazing to these casts. They're expanding them, and they're contracting in the cool weather and expanding in the heat, and different humidity levels are going to change what evaporates, whether it's more ethanol, whether it's more water. Today, for example, it's going to be 70 degrees around here, and then tonight it's going to dip to something like 40 This is great for a cask. It's essentially acting like an accordion on that whiskey, and it just infuses these beautiful dark cherry notes and coffee and toffee and caramel notes that you get out of that port barrel onto the rye, and it's just beautiful. You have this single barrel bourbon. Tell me a little bit about that selection process. You're not blending it with anything else, correct? That was the first whiskey that I described. The single barrel is where we go out, we find beautiful single barrels, and then that's exactly it. We take these barrels, and then we decide which one are we going to barrel, and we bottle that as our single barrel bourbon. One of the things that we're doing that is really exciting to me, and I, I hope is exciting to people in the whiskey industry as well, because of Marlene's pedigree and background, we are actually distilling in Kentucky as well. As we source and find single barrels, will be some will be from Blanco, some will be from our Kentucky distillation, some might be something I find in who knows. So we'll always have something really beautiful to bottle for our single barrel program, whether it's our own or, or elsewhere. So that is really what that single barrel program is about. The special edition mm-hmm. bourbon. Now, how does that fit mm-hmm. into all of this? Our distillery edition that you can buy in Blanco is 100% distillation out of the 300-gallon pot still that is down in Blanco that is aged and distilled and mashed and fermented in Blanco. So that is just nine barrels came together to create that whiskey. So we really do it all under one roof. And if I were to bring this back to the first thing about social terroir or how people come together to create a portfolio or beautiful whiskeys, Texas allowed that. And it was really exciting to come to Texas and have weather that wasn't a place where whiskey was traditionally aged under. 
people coming in from different parts of the United States to do something different in the middle of hill country. To be embraced by that feeling of entrepreneurship you certainly get in Texas right now. All of these things really came together to create Milam and Green. That's so exciting. The passion I'm hearing from your voice, it's just you can't help but be excited. I'm so um, excited. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and then I have some more questions for you. So we'll be yeah. right back. Are you confused about when you can get vaccinated against the coronavirus and where? Do you have questions about testing or any other aspect of the services available to you? KOOP is here for you and our community. Just contact us at covid at koop.org or call 512-710-5353 and we'll do our very best to help you out. We're back. You're listening to Hot Dish Radio on Co-op 91.7 FM. You are an expert on whiskey. You've written about it. You've educated. You've judged. For someone who wants to learn more about whiskey, maybe they've dabbled in it or maybe they've started or maybe they're more immediate. How can people just continue to educate themselves about whiskey and sampling the different whiskeys that are available out in the universe? I really, truly believe that a book is really the best way. Lou Bryson's great book on whiskey, Fred Minnick. Shameless promotion, my book, Whiskey Distilled, will take you through the entire category of whiskey as well. Dave Broom, and I like Aaron Goldfarb. There's others, but let's just start there for a minute. The issue that I see in education, the real pitfalls, and I see it every day, are people getting into it and going online and asking their opinion on Facebook or on Twitter and Reddit. And then there's just all these comments like, you shouldn't drink this and you shouldn't drink that. And how could you like this one? And everybody needs to go buy that one. Social media has muddied the facts of what whiskey is, how to know it and how to taste it. And it's just like in other industries, it can be a hostile place, I think, and filled with just an unbelievable amount of misinformation. Every day, I, I, I hold my tongue. I, I, I don't respond. It's, I know I, I see so many um, things being said that are just plain old wrong. And you really just can't go wrong with a book that's been written, vetted, edited by a major publisher and probably reviewed by many people. I really think that everybody who's into whiskey, just get a book and read it. The answers are in there. What is it? How to know? How to taste? How to form your own opinion, really? You have taken on your own whiskey school at Milam and Green. Can you share a little bit about your whiskey school? As a CEO and somebody who's leading a company, you want to do branded content, right? So you want to, you know, talk about your brand and talk about education through whiskey school. But that's not really a full whiskey education. So our whiskey school and my whiskey classes will take people through not only my brand, but how it fits in a larger picture of whiskey. How is it different than a Japanese whiskey? What is single malt in Scotland versus a single barrel or single malt in America? What is rye in general and what are the general properties of it? So really whiskey school is just a, a deep dive into learning about whiskey and we can use our brands to educate the consumer, but it's not just purely a branded education. It's much bigger, broader perspective. And I think that's really, I hope that consumers walk away feeling like, you know what, I know a little bit about whiskey. And I think that that's so important. And I think if anything, that just adds to people's appreciation. 
What's next for Milam and Green in 2021? A year of introducing the brand to more consumers in Texas. So we're really excited about however we can get people interested, talking, tasting, sharing, and connecting. This is a new arena for everybody. So how do you do that in pandemic world where so many, and I don't need to tell you the, the tragedy of restaurants and bars and businesses that are just not doing well. You know, these were our traditional avenues of brand introduction to a consumer. And we don't have that right now the way we used to. So it's about how do we foster relationships without having such a strong ally in our bars and restaurants? How do we help the bars and restaurants when they come back? That'll be a big thing this year. So we'll, Milam and Green will be looking at that, how to reach our consumers through really great online events, Zoom, articles, continuing that great education, and then making great whiskey. One of the most exciting things is we're expanding our distillery. So we're moving from our beautiful little 300-gallon pot still, and we're putting in a 1,000-gallon pot still this year. And we've expanded our production in Kentucky as well. People, I don't think, really truly understood the magnitude of what COVID has been, not just for restaurants and bars, but for all of the other periphery companies. I do appreciate the fact that you're going to look for ways to help support these wonderful people as we all try to rebuild in 2021. Thank you so much. And congratulations on expansion. That's so exciting. Well, Heather, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure. We're going to have to have you come back because I feel like there's so many more things we can touch on in, in regards to whiskey and, and the things that you're doing and, and just future education. So we'll definitely have to have you back for sure. But in the meantime, if people want to keep track of what you guys are working on, what you're doing, how can people learn more about Violin and Green and keep track of all your happenings? We have an email newsletter now, so you can go on to uh, milemangreenwhiskey.com, and you will be able to join. We do, like, prizes, and we do fun stuff, and we do education and videos and cocktails, all that kind of great stuff. And, and you will be the first to know when there's some really special additions being released at the distillery in Blanco as well. Milemandgreenwhiskey.com. If you forget about that, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at the Whiskey Authority. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you being on today. And Happy New Year to you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you to Heather Green of My Lemon Green Whiskey. And thank you to you for tuning in to Hot Dish Radio on Co-op Austin's Community Radio. We'll be back on February 1st. I'll be closing out today's show with Raise Your Glass by Pink. My glass is raised to you all, and I'm wishing you a solid 2021. Goodbye for now.